Kendra Winchester here with Autumn Privet, and this is Reading Women, a podcast where we're reclaiming half the bookshelf by discussing books written by or about women. And this is episode 54, where we're talking about A Place for Us and Purple Hibiscus. Hi, Kendra. Hello, Autumn. So excited to talk to you about these books today. Yes, they're, I feel like we somehow were on the same wavelength when we interpreted the theme of Fractured Fairy Tales for this month. Yes. Yes, for sure. Because this theme, we weren't really sure how this theme would manifest itself, as it were, when we picked it. And all the books kind of ended up being a challenge to a dominant cultural narrative of some sort. Yeah, and I think both of these are families. And families, how they look from the outside, but actually what goes on behind closed doors isn't exactly the ideal to which they want through various reasons, which we will talk about in this episode. And if you think about it, most fairy tales revolve around very complicated families with problems, so, you know. Yeah, I always think of (laughs) Hansel and Gretel. Like, it doesn't get any worse than trying to be left out in the woods to die, so. Right? So anyway, so let's just jump into talking about these books because we have a lot to talk about. And just as a reminder up front, these are spoiler-free episodes, so if you have not read these books, don't worry. The purpose is to give you a high-level overview, so hopefully you can get a little flavor of the book and read it for yourself. So no worries about spoilers. The first book is A Place for Us by Fatima Farheen Mirza, and this book is published by Sarah Jessica Parker for Hogarth, and it is the first book under this new imprint. And boy, oh boy, did it start with a bang. It did. Oh my goodness. I just, our guest reviewer from last episode actually recommended it to me and was like, Kendra, you have to read this book now. I was like, okay, Sumaya, I'll pick it up. And I read it and then I was like, Autumn, (laughs) you have to read this book now. So thank you, Sumaya, for introducing us to this book. Hmm. Uh, Oh my goodness. It's I just don't even know where to start with this one. Well, I'll start with a summary. How's that? Okay, let's go with that. First of all, Fatima went to the Iowa Writers Workshop, and this is her debut novel, and it is the story of a family who lives in California, and they are an Indian-American Muslim family, and the story opens and the oldest daughter, Hadia, her wedding. And the story after that is told from several different perspectives. We get her perspective. We get the perspective of Amar, her youngest brother. There's a sister in the middle. And then from the mother, Layla. And so we alternate between those perspectives. And it is a little bit slow going at first because the perspectives overlap a little bit as we get... Different, So you don't feel like you're making a ton of progress at the beginning because you're hearing a different perspective from the same story. But the conclusion is so satisfying and cracks the whole story. Like by the time you get to the point where you believe the narrative, it kind of splits it open and shows you yet another side of it, which was really surprising and beautiful. And I really enjoyed the story. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Before we get too far into this, what was your first impression after you started reading the book? You talked about it was a little slow and different things, uh, but what did you think after that? I think that I had heard 
honestly, like, I feel like I'd heard so much about this book that I think I expected more out of it than I should have. But that's my fault, not the book's fault. But once, and so it took me a while to get through the first couple of pages because of that, because I was expecting, like, this page turner of a book, and it's not. But that said, once I got into it, and once I got to know the family members, I became deeply, deeply invested in this family. And after I would say the first hundred pages, the next 200, it's like 300 pages, 400 pages? I think closer to four. Yeah, so like the next 300 pages, I think I read in a weekend after it took me a week to read the first 100 pages. So if that's any indication. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's because we get the setup at the wedding. I think that's a lot of kind of traditional fairy tale kind of thing. You start with the wedding and you know that Amar and his family have been estranged from like page one. And he is Mm -hmm. returning to go after three years to go uh, to Hadia's wedding, his his oldest sister. And you don't know why they're strange. And that then you go all the way back to the beginning of really Rafiq and Layla coming to America from India and having their kids. But you also get uh, timelines from, you have Layla's timeline, you have Hadia's timeline and Amara's timeline. And they all move forward, but they also overlap. So you get some assumptions that one character would make but then that's not actually true they just only they just assumed that that was true about one of the other family members and there's so much miscommunication and just complex relationships and she just writes this beautifully character-driven story i'm just blown away just no words really one of the things i really liked about this book was the title because the title didn't really make sense to me at first and then as i read I, the pieces kind of fell into place about how all these different characters were looking for a place. And place means different things for different people. But it's practically the perfect title for this book because that is a lot of what the story is about. It's about a family and individuals within that family trying to find where they fit within their community unit, within their cultural unit, within all these different units. It's really an interesting journey to follow them down that path. It so is. And I feel like with the three children, uh, you get three different responses to their childhood as you know, the children of immigrants, but also as they're living uh, you know, as a religious minority in America. And so they have different responses to their conservative upbringing. And I really appreciated that spectrum that we're just not looking at one person, one character's opinion about their Muslim upbringing. We're looking at so many different perspectives and interpretations and responses. So it's so nuanced in its representation. That's so true. And as I mentioned in the last episode, so about halfway through the book, 9-11 happens, which is, as many of you are probably familiar, a terrorist attack on the Twin Towers by an extremist Muslim group. And we see how that cultural event or how that historical event affects this family. And that was, I would say, one of the most moving parts of the story for me, just because, I mean, I was old enough when it happened that I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when it happened. And I remember all of the politicized and racial rhetoric that was going on around me at the time as well. And so now we have someone who was born just a couple years after I was, who grew up in California, who experienced the same things, 
and she's now writing about it from her perspective. So it was really helpful to see that, to see how the family has to make decisions about, okay, well, do we stay strict adherence to our faith because that's what we believe? Or do we change how we dress and how, you know, whether or not the father has to decide whether or not to wear a beard just so that way they don't get assaulted in the streets by people who are calling them terrorists and being really horrible and racist to them. And so that section was really, really moving for me and really eye-opening as well. And both Hadia and Huda, the, Huda is the middle child, uh, you know, they wear hijabs to school. And so, you know, you have these girls in head, you know, they have their head coverings and people are yelling at them that they're terrorists and they're, you know, there's that fear. And one of the things that you could see as we get this story from mostly Hadia and uh, Amar's perspective is their fear of going to school uh, after 9-11 and just the abuse that they received from other children and different things. And uh, it was just, I think, a very important perspective that we often forget when we talk about 9-11. And it was just very moving. And I'm trying to talk around spoilers, <laughs> but it's just it's just so good. <laughs> A lot of the book is around Hadia and Amar's relationship, like a, like the really closest siblings, her being the oldest and him being the youngest, she kind of takes care of him. But also within that is Layla, the mom, and her story is really compelling as well because we go all the way back to her as when she was the same age as Hadia is in part of the book. So there's parallels between her life and her daughter's life. And really the difficulties that she experienced moving from a country where she was surrounded by her family and her friends and her support system and people that she knew. And she was got married in an arranged marriage to Rafiq. And then they immediately moved to America where she knew nobody and nothing. And her story also I thought was really compelling as well. You know, this book so much reminded me of The Namesake by Junpa Lahiri, which is about a couple who are also in an arranged marriage and immediately moved to America. Yes. And there is also, you know, her debut as well. And it's also phenomenal. They are, um, you know, Indian American, but they're, I believe they're Hindus. So it's a different perspective, but the immigrant experience and having that arranged marriage and immediately moving to a different culture and that added pressure to a marriage uh, was just so well played out. And I think there's so many similarities there. And I felt like in uh, Mirza's perspective in particular, since we are more in Layla's head, we see, you know, her struggle to try to make her husband happy and also trying to get to know her husband while in America and how confusing that is. Because of how the narrative structure we see how her kids behave and we see that from their kids perspective and then we see it from her perspective which is the mom's perspective and it's such a great contrast to see you know you know even as a child like you often wonder what your parents are thinking and you get to actually see that in this book which is really helpful and adds another layer of nuance to the story as well and I was listening to an interview with uh, Fatima on Jen Campbell's podcast. Jen was talking to Fatima about the different characters. Fatima was saying that there's a tension between all of the characters and how, you know, Hadia loves her brother, but she's also jealous of him because he is seems to be the, the mother's favorite. And then you have, you know, Hadia wanting to make her dad happy. And so she goes into a more medical directed field, even though she has you know, more, a more artistic interests as well. And, and just all that tension between the different family members, 
that they often don't see for themselves and how complex that is. And I think it reminds us that, you know, families, families are super complicated. And I feel like we downplay that a lot. But when you open a book and you see this complex web of characters and personalities, it's just reminding you that, I don't know, each family's unique and has its own tensions and difficulties. Exactly. And in true fairy tale form, there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than there is on the surface. And because you're with these characters for, as we said, almost 400 pages, you really get really deep into the decisions that they make and why they make them and their thoughts behind it. She really unpacks to a lot of the cultural forces that are affecting the family as well as like political and national forces, as long as just like family dynamics and like sibling, as Kinder mentioned, like sibling rivalry and sibling behaviors. And so, yeah, it's pretty beautiful. I, I listened to this on audio, so I'd highly recommend the audiobook. Uh, I feel like it adds a lot of layers to the book when it's just so well performed and the ending, you know, is so surprising and, and moving. And I felt like the audiobook did a great job and how it handled that as well. So I won't give any spoilers, obviously, but I would highly recommend that if you are interested in a great audiobook. So that is a very short discussion about if we were giving away spoilers, we would have a lot more to say about this book. Um, but that is A Place for Us by Fatima Farheen Mirza and as we mentioned, this book is published by Sarah Jessica Parker for Hogarth. Uh, so that brings us to our sponsor spot, and that is Bombas Socks. So you have heard us talk about Bombas Socks and why we love Bombas Socks, but I feel like that these socks deserve a little credit because they are incredibly well designed. I don't think we think about how our socks are designed very often. I know I don't. Bombas worked so long on designing these socks so that people of all different types, whether you run or you power walker or you're a weightlifter or if you just like to sit on the couch and read, these socks work for everyone. They are pretty comfy. And I got the no-show socks and some of the ankle socks and both of them, you know, no-show socks in particular can be pretty flimsy at times. But let me tell you, these are not flimsy socks. And I really love how I don't get blisters with these socks. I'm, I have very sensitive feet and I get blisters all over the place, but I've never gotten a blister with these and they stay in place and they do their job and they also look really cute. Uh, I like to match my socks with my outfits now because of these socks. So, <laughs> Oh my goodness. And I am not necessarily a sock person, but these socks just feel really comfortable. Like, you know that floaty kind of feeling after you read a really good book and you don't really feel like your feet are touching the ground? That's kind of how these socks feel. That is a very good description. I co-sign oh. that. <laughs> and another really cool thing about these socks is for every pair that is sold, Bombas donates one pair to a homeless shelter. And as of now, they have donated over 9 million pairs of socks to homeless shelters all across the country. And if you have a homeless shelter you want Bombas to donate socks to, you can get in touch with them and they will see if they can hook you up. So Bombas has given a special promo code to our listeners. So you can go to bombas.com. That's B-O-M-B-A-S.com forward slash reading women and use the code reading women, no space, and you'll get 20% off your first order. Don't worry. You don't have to remember that. Just go to our show notes and all the information will be right there. And you can just click the link and go right through and check out some amazing socks. 
So thanks so much to Bomba Socks for sponsoring. And so that brings us to your discussion book for this episode. Right. So my discussion book is Purple Hibiscus by Chimanda Nguziadiche, and this is out from Algonquin here in the U.S. And this is Adiche's debut. It was long listed for the Man Booker and won pretty much every other prize known to humankind. Not quite, <laughs> but if you go on Goodreads, there's a very long list there, uh, including uh, an Orange Prize, which is the Women's Prize for Fiction uh, shortlist, as well as many, many other... <laughs> Many other words. I'm just looking at all of these. And it's also a novel about family and about how a family might not look as perfect as um, a family might not be as perfect as it looks like on the outside. Yes, this book was incredible. But what were your initial what was what were your initial thoughts after reading it? Well, I didn't know what to think uh, because I remember you had read Americana first and then we're like, Kendra, read this now. Yes. It's a great foundation for yes. relationship there, friends. That was at the very beginning of our book relationship. It was. It was that, The Goldfinch, Aww. and Salvage the Bones. Aww. Yeah, good times. Pitter-patter, anyway. <laughs> so I had been saving this book, and I was uh, doing a series for YouTube, and so I picked it up, and I had no idea that it includes so many religious themes in the book. I didn't realize... There were so many post-colonial themes in it as well. And I remember, especially after when we talked to Chibundo Onuzu, she talked about the post-colonial response to Christianity in Nigeria and her perspective on that as a Christian person. And I was like, oh, that those really pair well with this purple hibiscus because it deals with a lot of the same themes. So I thought that was pretty cool. So in summary, uh, this book is about a 15-year-old girl named Kambili, and she and her older brother Jaja live a privileged life in Nigeria, and they live in this beautiful house, and their dad is a prominent member of society. Uh, he goes to their church because they are, they are Catholics, and everyone thinks she lives the most perfect life. But on the inside, her dad is very abusive, both verbally and physically, especially to her mother, uh, but no one says anything because in part because the kids don't realize that how bad they have it really that's their normal and it, over the course of the book you watch as Kambili realizes the truth about her dad and, and comes to terms with that and how her family grows through that situation it, it's a very timely book I think for right now I think so too even though it's over 10 years old which is crazy to think about and I don't want to think about that but it is very timely, and I think I thought that the characters too. We get it all from Kambali's perspective, and we kind of follow her as she comes to realize what is actually going on in her family. And part of that is through the influence of her aunt, which is her dad's. It's her dad's sister, right? Yeah. And the book's title actually is influenced by the aunt, and I'm not going to pronounce her name correctly, but she is a botanist, and so I, well, she's not really a botanist, but, like, she's, like, a hobbyist botanist, I guess, and so one of the things that she does is creates different, I don't remember the details, shame on me for forgetting, but she has these rare varieties of plants, one of which is a purple hibiscus, and it's the kind of plant that's so striking when people see it, they can't help but, like, pull it off of the bush when they see it, and so I'm still not 100% sure, like, all the meaning of that. I probably need a second read. <laughs> it's pretty high-powered. But it's 
really interesting how flowers and that flower in particular plays a role in the story. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the ant is a professor at a university and the ant is more involved in like protests and you get a lot of information of what's happening around that time period through the ant. But the ant is also religious, but she doesn't try to practice her faith like white people practice it in the colonialist way. She practices it as a Nigerian person and interprets that through her own culture. And there's a great parallel there on the commentary of religion and colonialism in Nigeria and how, you know, the aunt makes it her own while Kambili's dad tries to practice it and basically attempt to become white almost Mm -hmm. and how that is a negative thing and how he denies his culture. He won't talk to his dad because his dad is quote unquote pagan and all of these different things. Uh, and the aunt is like, well, that's not actually practicing positive Christian faith, is it, brother? And so they have fights and different things. And Kabili grows and, and ends up going to stay with the aunt at some point for different reasons and is able to watch a different way of life. Oh, that section where the father ostracizes his father broke my heart. Well, I mean, the father in general is just a horrible person. He really is. And... He is that type of person where he's so upstanding in the community that people want to ignore all the horrible things he does. And everyone's like, well, you're going to be ruining his life if you come out and say that your father's abusive. And a lot of these different things that we're seeing right now, and they're playing out in this book. And I feel like it's just something, you know, history repeats itself. For sure. In that way. So one thing that is a trigger warning that we want to flag in case that is something you're concerned about is there is domestic abuse in this book in pretty graphic detail it is not a little it's very disturbing to read in places and so just be aware that 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 is in there but one of the things that the book unpacks as well is kind of the cycles of abuse and how people as Kendra mentioned are willing to ignore warning signs because someone has a quote-unquote good reputation in the community and I felt like This particular book handled it so well because it pointed out that it is also high stakes for different people in the community because the dad funds a lot of education for poor children. And so if he were to be put into prison or different things, then they would lose their education. So it's not just him taking the fall. Other people would take the fall with him. And that still doesn't make it okay for him to abuse his family and then not to be able to say anything. Uh, but it's a very complex issue, and it doesn't just hurt that particular family. It also hurts members of the community as well. We see as the book progresses for Kambali in particular, she adores her father. And as the book progresses, that idyllic vision of him she has in her head slowly erodes away. And one of one of the moments that I remember that stood out to me was when her friends at school say, why do you not hang out with us afterwards and talk to us? And that's kind of, I think, one of the moments when she starts to realize that maybe her life isn't as normal as she thinks it is. Like, she has normalized what goes on in her family, but it's not normal because all the other girls stay and hang out and gossip and walk to their cars together. But her father's told her she can't do that. She has to, so she runs to her car to make sure she can get there on time. And it's just really sad that she thinks that that's the normal way to live. And her dad is also very controlling 
and very emotionally abusive. And so when they're visiting Kambili's aunt, Ajaja and Kambili are going to visit her, uh, her aunt, he sends them a schedule for how they should use their time while they are with their aunt. And and she takes the schedule and shows her aunt, and her aunt's like, what on earth is this? And she's like, this is my schedule that my father has given to me. And her aunt just, like, laughs. Oh, really? Uh, and she's like, well, is this not normal? And she didn't realize how her life was. And I feel like so many people ask the question, why don't people come forward? Or why don't people say anything about it? Well, if you grew up that way, that's you don't you don't know any different. You're a child. You know, so right. I felt like that was communicated so well through this story. For sure. And one of the things we talked about as well is the balance of perspective. So we see, obviously, the breaking down of this fairy tale of a family and their perfect life kind of crumbling. But we also see some of the good things that her her dad did and some of the ways that he did help the community and how even it in a weird sort of way caused his kids to want to be better people and some of the decisions that they make which are positive and have a positive impact so it it is really a really incredible story i feel like this definitely is a book that will hold up to multiple rereadings and i know this is one of the books that i want to reread and annotate because i did the audio first time through and i feel like that's that's a good for me personally that structure works really well because you can get the story and then you can go back through and annotate because uh, adichie has so much depth to her books so much insight i still can't believe this is her debut i know it's really incredible so that is our discussion of purple hibiscus by chimanda nguzi adichie and this is out from algonquin in the u.s so autumn that was our last normal discussion episode of the year I can't even believe it. Christmas will be here before we know it. I love it so much. <laughs> oh my god! I was at the dollar store and they already had all the Christmas stuff out right next to the Halloween stuff on the other aisle. <laughs> Don't talk to me about that. I was like, I am ready. <laughs> <laughs> so that means that the next episodes that we broadcast will be the Reading Women Awards shortlist. Cue all the confetti cannons. We've been doing a lot of hardcore reading to create the short list, and there's some amazing books on there. So we are thrilled to be able to announce that to you on our next episode. So if you are new to the Reading Win Award, how this works is that instead of doing a episode where we feature six books and then doing a discussion episode, November will have two main episodes where we discuss the six books on each shortlist, both the fiction and the nonfiction. So we'll have one episode for fiction, one episode for nonfiction, and then we will have one episode in December, which is our discussion of the two winners from both categories. So thank you so much to Bombas for sponsoring. We greatly appreciate their support of the Reading Women podcast. Um, if you haven't already, we would love it if you would review us in Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. And thanks again if you have already reviewed us. We greatly appreciate it. Also, be sure to check out our newsletter for new books, reviews, and much more. You can find that link in our show notes so as we mentioned join us next month for the reading women award shortlist and as always you can find reading women on instagram and twitter at the reading women you can find kendra at kd winchester and me at autumn privet you can also find us at readingwomenpodcast.com which has all sorts of resources and book lists and interviews and past episodes and it's just amazing so be sure to check that out 
And thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon.